0: I only did it for myself at the beginning because I thought, well, if I can be more present as a mom and and be a little happier as a mom and more fulfilled and less stressed and all these things, then our family is going to run smoother. But what I noticed very quickly was that our kids were thriving too.
1: As the mother of five young children living in the Midwest, Ginny Urich was feeling frustrated with the constant shuffling of her kids from activity to activity, and oh, how I can relate to that feeling. Ginny was exhausted, and she felt like her kids were not thriving. But after reading a recommendation that young children should be outside four to six hours a day, she decided to change how they were spending their time, and the family started getting outside on a daily basis. She immediately noticed physical and emotional changes in her kids, and she felt so much better too, even refreshed. She decided to share what she'd learned and created the 1000 Hours Outside Movement, a practice for those who want a slower childhood and a fuller life. And she now has a community of over 500,000 people online who are doing just that. Some exciting updates since we originally aired this episode back in September of 2022. Ginny has written a new book. It's available for pre-order now, and it's titled, Until the Streetlights Come On, How a Return to Play Brightens Our Present and Prepares Kids for an Uncertain Future. Sounds like just the kind of book we should be reading. Um, Also, her 1,000 Hours podcast just celebrated its three millionth download. Seriously, so impressive. I am so grateful for the work Jenny is doing, and she has inspired me to spend more time outside. In fact, I thought of her just this morning as I ate my breakfast and did my morning reading outside in the glorious sunshine. Such a good way to start the day. You are going to love learning more from her. Do you feel like other moms have life all figured out? Well, as the mother of seven, I can tell you that we are all just doing our best and making it up as we go along. But at least we have each other. I'm Vanessa Quigley and welcome to the Mom Force podcast brought to you by Chatbooks. Before we get to the episode, I want to let you know that our Chatbooks birthday sale is officially underway and this year we have special perks for subscribers only. Maybe even a free book? Hint hint. <laughs> Seriously, there has never been a better time to sign up for a Chapbooks photo book subscription. So download the app or go to our website now and print those memories. Happy Chapbooking. All right. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Mom Force, Ginny Urich. We're so happy to have you here. I'm thrilled to be here. We love chat books. Oh, yay. Well, I love everything you do with a thousand hours outside. I have been reading your book, I've been binging your amazing podcast. I even, for my 50th birthday, I turned 50 on July 1st. Happy birthday. <laughs> it was a happy birthday. But one of the fun things that I did is decided to track my hours outside in July. And I'm like, okay. <sighs> 50 hours outside for my 50th birthday. We can do this. And I got some of my friends and family to follow along. It's amazing how when you track something, you're more mindful of it. You're more deliberate. It's more likely to happen. And I'm sure that's all in the thought process of a thousand hours outside. And I can't wait to dig in and talk about everything, spending time outside and the blessings and power that come from that. But since we're also about capturing the magic of family life here at Chatbooks, i also excited to learn about how you document the time that you spend with your family outside and everything. Mm. So as a way of introduction, just to get to know you a little bit better, can we start with a photo question? Okay. Sure. Often, a pretty photo doesn't really tell the whole story of the moment, right? Like
0: you're Mm -hmm. trying to gather
1: kids for a family photo and one's having an epic meltdown and you bribe them with candy to get them to just come into the frame and just a smile mm-hmm. to grab that one photo. Is there a photo like that, that you have of your family? And can you give us the nitty gritty
0: backstory? Yeah, yeah, okay, I've got one. I've got, it just happened too. It just happened. So there's this place that we, in, in Google Maps, you can save places that you want to go. So I've got all these lists of places that I want to go. And there was a place I had saved in 2018. We're in Michigan, it's in Indiana. And it's this water park and a water park that's in a lake. And it looks super cool. It had all these great reviews. And so we were heading out of town. And it was like the only day this summer, like we have to go to this water park. It's not on the way. It's completely out of the way. It's the opposite direction of where we're trying to get at the end. But this is the only day that we can go like, let's go load up the kids. And I'd seen someone recently post about it on Instagram. And it'd been on my list for four years, Vanessa. So we are going. And, And so we go to this place and and we had a blast. We had an absolute blast. They had really cool things, a zip line into the water, water slides, but the water was green like pickle oh. juice <laughs> <What>? <laughs> to the point where it was so bizarre to the point where if you submerged and you were even a couple inches below the water, you completely disappeared. What? And so it was fun because... <laughs> And bizarre. <laughs> and- yes, a little bit, a little bit. So I got some great pictures that day and picture of all five of my kids. They're smiling you know, at this lake and there's all these cool things in the background. But I know that if they just submerge just a couple inches, <laughs> they would completely they're gone. disappear in that water. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, Not exactly what you anticipated all those years yeah, to get there. Right, but, but it was memorable and it was fun. Probably and- even more
1: memorable with the green murky. Yes. Absolutely. Water. Yeah, oh, I love that. Mercy. It's so fun. Well, Jenny, yeah. I am so excited for you to share with our listeners how this idea of a thousand hours outside started. I know because I've read your book, I've listened to your podcast, yeah. but can you tell our listeners how did this movement that has really truly grown into a worldwide movement? How did it get started? It got
0: started in failure. You know, I think a lot of things get started in failure. I was, I really struggled when I, when my kids were little, and I know you have a large family. I think whether you have one kid or five kids or seven kids or or twelve kids, it's such a for me it was such a shock. I was not ready for it, and I felt like I was fairly competent. You know, I'm doing good out life here, and then you know you have this child and I just got thrown through the ringer and I had expectations of having a schedule and of being fairly routine and you get the kids you get. And our yeah. first one did not want to do the schedule. All he wanted to do was nurse and and he wanted to be very engaged with. And so I just, I struggled. And then we had a couple kids right in a row. We had three under three for a little bit. And I'm going to tell you what, Vanessa, I was drowning. I wasn't, and I wasn't enjoying it. I didn't like it. And I liked my kids, of course, but I did mm. not like being a mom. And I don't know if people talk like that. Sometimes I think, No, maybe I, I think more that, people need for... to
1: say that because I think that is not an uncommon experience. There might be moments yeah. that you're like, oh, yes, this is what
0: I wanted and this is what I'm expecting. But a lot of it is really hard. Yeah, it's hard. And you feel like you're failing constantly. I think I think that was a, a hard transition, right? You go from maybe a lifetime of of doing what you're already naturally good at. And so you're sort of semi successful. And then all of a sudden you're thrust into this environment where you're failing and it's twenty-four hours. And the baby's crying constantly and you can't get a grip. So that was my early motherhood, and I didn't really know what to do with our kids. It was a lot of time to fill. Now, and I know that I'm sure you're in this space, now I feel like I don't have enough time. Yeah. Now I'm on the other side, mm-hmm. right, where the the, t- the clock is ticking and kids are going to be moving out in a couple years, and I f- and we're busy, and they have sports and different things. And I don't have enough time. But back then, I had too much time to fill (laughs) 10 hour day, my husband's at work. And what are you going to do with these kids? And so I just enrolled in different things. And it was a lot of output for not much reward. You know, I I talk in the book about the library program. And that's one of the ones I remember, because that's what people do, right? You take your kids to the mom and taught library program, and it was a 45 minute program, but it took me probably 45 minutes to get ready. And then, and it's hard. You're trying to get ready while you have a baby, while you have a toddler. They, you know, they want your attention. So it's just all this output. And I remember the library program itself would be a juggle because the the kids didn't really want to be there. They they don't want (laughs) to sit for the story. So it was just a thing. And then, you know, you got to get them back home and then it's still early in the morning. So That's how I spent early childhood, just flailing, basically. And one of the programs that I did, because I did programs, that's what we were doing, was MOPS, which is Mothers of Preschoolers, which is such a great program. It's a place where I think people, they build lifelong friendships there because you're traversing those hard years together and you're supporting each other in those times that that can feel very dark at times. And so I had a friend at my MOPS table who was going to be homeschooling. And we knew also that we were going to be homeschooling because the school day here was real long for kindergarten. It used to be a half day. And then all of a sudden it was kind of like right when our oldest turned five, it, you know, a couple years before it changed a full day. And this is a long day. So we knew we were going to homeschool. And this friend of mine, she was a year ahead. So she'd started to research. And she came one day and she said, uh, Charlotte Mason says kids should be outside for four to six hours a day whenever the weather's tolerable, right? There's a good caveat. It's an important caveat. Mm-hmm, Charlotte Mason. I didn't Tell know. Him. I mean, oh, I didn't know. Like, oh, but she, I, like, I know why. she just said it, right? So <laughs> I didn't even ask, Vanessa. I should have asked, right? Well, Charlotte Mason was an edu- like kind of like an educational reformer, but she's from the 1800s. So she wrote this incredible volume, volumes of work for parents and for parenting and for education. And yeah, I didn't ask. I didn't think to ask. I mean, a lot of people are named Charlotte, right? So I should have But asked. there was something about that, that fact that resonated with you. Yeah, well then she she asked if we could do it. So oh. she she says can we do it? And I and I was thinking no. <laughs> what what are we going to do for 4 to 6 hours? And so I I had no idea who this Charlotte Mason was, but I didn't want to appear ignorant, right? She just kind of mm-hmm. says it as a fact. And and then she says, "Well, can we try it out?" And so, Vanessa, here I am envisioning all of our library programs gone bad, you know, where everyone's crying and it's 45 minutes. So she wants to do something for four hours. Like Mm -hmm. This is going to be a total disaster. But in those years, I think you're also really struggling for friendship, too, because. It's hard to maintain friendships when you have crying babies and you're getting interrupted constantly. So it's such a balance. And so I said, yes, even though in my mind, I thought this is just going to, you know, this is not going to go well. So it was in September, it was in 2011. So we're talking over a decade ago where I packed up, you know, we had a three-year-old, a one-year-old and a six-month-old. I packed them up and, and my friend said, just bring a picnic blanket and a lunch And we're going to meet from nine in the morning to one in the afternoon. I was like, oh, this is going to be awful. (laughs) What are they going to do? I mean, and it was like we're meeting at a park. It wasn't even a playground. There wasn't even a play structure. It was grass, you know, and a creek that went through and some ducks and uh, rocks. I was just beyond myself wondering, what are the kids going to do for this four to six hours? So she says, we're going to meet from nine to one. Well, what turned out to happen, Vanessa and I say that this was one of the best days of my life. I actually say it was the best day of my life. My husband, Josh, sometimes feels like I'm exaggerating, but (laughs) it was the first good day I had as a mom. I'd not had a good day up until that point. And it was, it changed my whole trajectory of my whole life because I went from struggling as a mother, struggling so bad to make it through the day to having a good day. And what happened was we met at nine and we spread out the picnic blanket. It was a fall. Michigan falls are gorgeous. It's a beautiful sunny day. We sat on the blanket. We each had a babe in arms and we each had two toddler preschoolers. It was just four kids running around. And I don't know what they did, Vanessa, but they played. Yeah. They played for four hours and they came back and got food and they maybe sat on the blanket for a little bit and they're just running around. And at one o'clock, we packed up and they all fell asleep on the way home, which was a miracle, right? <laughs> a miracle of miracles. And I drove around for a couple hours because they were sleeping. And all of a sudden it was three, four o'clock. And now I've almost made it through the day. My husband's going to be home in a couple hours and we all felt good. And so what happened was, that day caused me to radically change how we were scheduling our lives. You know, I yeah. kind of dropped all these programs and and tried to pick a couple of days, two, three days a week where the weather was the best. And we had a small group of friends that were willing to meet up. And we rotated through just plain old parks in our area, little places where you could hike. And we kind of kept that schedule of nine to one or stay a little bit later, depending on if, you know, kids needed naps and things like that. And I only did it for myself Mm -hmm. at the beginning because I thought, well, if I can be more present as a mom and and be a little happier as a mom and more fulfilled and less stressed and all these things, then our family is going to run smoother. But what I noticed very quickly was that our kids were thriving too they're sleeping better, they're eating better, they're happier, they're trying all these new movements. And so we were all thriving just from this one change of how we scheduled our days. So we lived that way for a couple years. And then two years in, I had read a book, just starting to see some different statistics. Scott Sampson has a book called How to Raise a Wild Child, where there's a statistic that kids are only outside for four to seven minutes a day but they're on screens for four to seven hours, this real imbalance. And Mm -hmm. I used to be a math teacher. And so I thought, I'm just going to add up. I wonder how much time we're spending outside just out of curiosity. And we were outside like 18 to 20 hours a week based on that Charlotte Mason thing with this little nature group, which was about 1200 hours a year. And that was the exact amount of time at that time that kids were spending on screens. The number has gone up since, but at that time, it was 1200 hours a year that kids were on screens. And, and, It's not that we're anti screen. Our kids like screens and video games and things like that. But what it made me think was, what would we have lost if all that time had gone to screens? You know, we had this rich year. I could look back at that year of relationship and experience and fun and joy and laughter and memories and all those things. They're in our chat books, you know, all of these things that we did. And what if, what if we wouldn't have had those? And even to this day, people, they send messages and they say, I, if not for this challenge, I wouldn't have had this memory. So it's kind of about finding the things that we don't even know we're losing. Yeah. So anyway, I thought it had been so transforming for myself and for our family. I thought I'm going to write about it. Blogs were big back in 2013 and I called it 1000 hours outside. Cause it was a little catchier than 1200 hours outside. Mm-hmm. And just this thought of, what if we're intentional? What if we're intentional about our nature time and our hands-on experience and not, not that the number even particularly matters. And some people are in different situations. They're shooting for 500. Some people are shooting for 2000, but it's, it's about this concept of paying attention to having balance in our life between virtual and real. And so I started it back then as a, as a blog and, over the years, it's grown. People thought it was so bizarre for a very long time, Vanessa, for years and years. Like, you keep track of how much time you're outside? Who does that? But the the initial idea seemed bizarre to me as well. But it had so changed our life. And there's books out now. Angela Hanscom has a book called Balanced and Barefoot, which is a phenomenal book. She's a pediatric occupational therapist where she's seeing the front line of decline in skills of children. And so in her book, she kind of echoes that same time frame. like three hours a day of outside play is ideal, right? Life is never mm-hmm. ideal, but it's good to know what the ideal is. And then we shoot for it in the course of a year because life is messy and tricky. And sometimes you're stuck home sick. And sometimes you have appointments and you've got to work and you have all these different, you have all these different commitments, But but sometimes we do have time where we get to choose what we do. And in those moments, it's about knowing that, outdoor play offers us so much. Well, I'm immediately thinking about homeschool because
1: you do homeschool your children, right? Still, are they all... Mm-hmm. homeschooled. Yeah, we do. Homeschooling is one of the things that I just desperately wanted to do as a mother. I've got seven kids. And before I found out I was pregnant with number seven, I had actually told my husband, this is the year I'm going to do it. And I even emailed the, te- the schools to say, I'm going to be homeschooling my kids next year. I was finally brave enough to do it, partly because I had a friend who was doing it. And she, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. she's she's making it work. I Because my heart just felt like I want more control of the hours of my children's days, like I want to do mm-hmm. these things. We were living in Florida at the time. I want to, I want beach days. I want to go travel. I want to just have them under my wing. Other things that I want to teach them that I'm not having a hard time finding the time right. for. Anyway, I ended up finding I was pregnant like a week later, and then I was like, "Never mind, that plan is off. I can't imagine having a brand new baby and <laughs> trying to figure out homeschool." The email,
0: retract the email. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Never mind. Um, I but I have had an opportunity to homeschool each child individually for different reasons p- pulled them out of school and we had that special time to go do things together and bond together in new ways and anyway i'm thinking about the regular public school schedule my kids now leave at 7:45 and then after sports they're home at like 5 how do you mm-hmm. fit in
0: outside time yeah what's the pra- what's the practical yeah. So, so the practical is that everyone has a different amount of time where they get to choose what they're going to do. So that's the practical. But, but that's why we have a year long goal is because three hours a day is not practical for the majority of families. Because like you said, you're not getting home till five and kids have homework, but we can go out on the weekends, we could spend a six hour day at the beach, we could go on a long family hike and take a picnic. We can do our dinner outside on the deck. We could play a card game. We could go on a vacation when we choose our vacation and we're gone for three or four days. We could choose a place where there's cool hiking trails. We Mm -hmm. can go to the beach. We can camp. Camping ups your hours considerably. You know, you can go camping for a long weekend. So it's about just a little bit of a mindset shift. Obviously, if the sports are outside, those count. Those count as the hours and recess and all those types of things. Recess is really good for kids. You know, if schools can go the opposite direction instead of it's gotten cut down over the years. But we had a lot of recess when we were kids. I think we had three and they were 45 minutes to an hour. That's a lot of time outside. I mean, I probably got it as a child through school and walking to school. I would have gotten most of my time outside. I don't remember
1: so much homework either when I was in school. We'd
0: come home and then just disappear until dinner like especially elementary school I don't think there was any and I you know I'm seeing parents who are who are saying look I just tell my teacher I've got elementary school kids I just tell them in our family we don't do homework and they say okay I did that once when my
1: youngest child was really really struggling and I just thought this is this is actually not helping him this is hurting everything about our relationship and our family life and I was surprised at how the teacher was just like okay
0: you know Yes, I've heard other people say that. In fact, there's this really interesting thing, Vanessa. There's um, a school teacher who has passed a couple years ago. His name is John Taylor Gatto, but he was a school teacher for 30 years in the public schools in New York and he won awards. He's a great teacher. But he talks about in his book that it shouldn't take so much time. He actually said that it's well documented that kids can learn everything. Everything they need to learn, he calls it functional literacy. So reading, mm-hmm. writing, math, that, that at the right age and stage, they can learn everything they need to learn. In order to learn anything else they want to learn down the road, in less than a hundred hours,
1: yeah. less
0: than a hundred contact hours. So it's eye opening, right? Because that's what—that's three weeks of school. Yeah. And and so what we have is we have the system that. It's 15,000 hours of childhood, and then some because they're sending kids home with homework. So, you know, every family is so different and unique. And that's part of the joy of it is figuring out how we want things to look for our own family. But, you know, a walk after school, riding a bike to school, walking to school in the morning, if that's a possibility. There's parents that pick their kids up from school and go to the park for an hour instead of going straight home. There's lots of creative ways that you can do. And I think that's really the neat thing of seeing because this has gone around the globe, it's neat to see how people are getting in their nature time all around the world and in all different situations. They live in the city. They're a single mom. They live in the country. They they have extracurriculars, all of these different things. And and you see everyone's different experiences. Yeah. Well, and I will say from my
1: experience tracking just the month of July, all of a sudden I realized, I, why am I reading this book inside? I'm gonna go outside. I'm gonna sit outside in the sun and read my book. And I, because right. I was thinking about it and tracking it, I just found myself more like making it happen more often. And I was doing it just for me, but, you know, I'm the mom, so often I would bring my kids with me. Over COVID is when I discovered the power of a daily walk. You know, after being cooped up inside, working from home with all my kids, I'm like, I got to get out and get some fresh air. And I realized, wow, this is like so restorative and amazing. I want to do this every single day. Just kind of nice to be able to leave everyone in my house behind to just have me time. But it's also really easy to grab a couple of kids to come along on
0: my walk with me. Yeah, they do. I think they do tend to follow. So if you take your book out on the porch steps or out on your deck, if you live in an apartment or, you know, out wherever, we used to live in a townhouse. We didn't have any yard. So, you know, you take it to the local park or whatever, then the kids tend to follow and they might do some of the same things. And that full spectrum light does so much for your health, for your eyes. And for your mood even too. So yeah. so it, people always ask, well, does it count? Does it count if my kid's in a stroller? Does it count if I'm just reading a book in a hammock? Well, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you're getting that surround sound. You're getting all those benefits of the fresh air and it does make a difference. Well, there are so
1: many benefits to spending time outside and you can deep dive in her 1000 Hours Outside podcast and hear from all kinds of professionals and scientists in detail, all of these many benefits. But I wanna know from you in particular, and personally, the number one benefit for you, Ginny, being outside, and then the biggest benefit that you've felt as a family?
0: For for me, I think the thing that was a linchpin for my decision to commit to being outdoors are the cognitive benefits. And so I had read this book by Carla Hannaford. She is a PhD. She's been on our podcast. She wrote a book called Smart Moves, Why Learning is Not All in Your Head, and She makes a case for how when we engage in complex movements, our brain capacity increases, basically. The neurons, they're firing faster, they make better connections, and it protects and enhances your brain function. So she gives the example of if you're an elderly person and you dance regularly, it decreases your risk of Alzheimer's and dementia by 76%, some huge number. Wow. Yeah. So I'm like, well, what are, what are we doing with our time while well, we're watching Netflix? You know, we're, we're sitting around, we should be dancing, you know, and the, the point is, oh. is that these complexities, they're helping our brains adapt and be flexible and strengthen them. And when we go outside with our children, This is what they naturally do. They naturally engage in harder and harder things. You don't even have to tell them. So our youngest daughter, she learned how to climb over a fence. She's six. So she learned this past spring, and she'd been working on it for a couple years, how to swing that leg over the top and come down the other side. And, you know, so that's what they do. They, They climb up on a stump, then they're climbing higher. And so for me, that's the most intriguing because our world is requiring flexibility. Our world is changing. It's different than it was 20, 30 years ago where you would go to school and then you go to college and then you graduate and here's your job and you're going to stay at your job for a decade or more. You know, now they say the length of jobs is 18 months. And so what's required of our kids is is a quick, a quick brain, an adaptable brain, a flexible brain and that's what they're getting through these outdoor experiences. And so to me, that's my top motivator in terms of raising our children. And then personally for our family, it's real neat, Vanessa. It's it's like you get all these benefits, right? You get social benefits, you get cognitive benefits, you get emotional benefits, but then you get physical benefits, obviously too, right? You're stretching your ligaments and there's, there's so many physical benefits. You're learning about risk-taking, but at the end of the day, you have- these foundational pillars of memories that you share with your family, with your friends that are unique to you that no one else has, you know, you went with into the water park with the green water, you know, you went, <laughs> you did these things together and there's something about being outside and it's hitting all the senses and it's experiences that you remember that. And so you have these deep bonds with your friends and, and with your family while still gaining all of these other benefits. It's real. It's real neat. It's awesome. You know, I grew
1: up in Orlando and I, one memory really sticks out to my mind. So families coming and going from Disney, big Disney trips, Mm -hmm. which are expensive physically, right. emotionally, <laughs> financially draining. And as a parent, yeah. like you, you want this to be the pinnacle moment, the the memory, the seminal memory that's going to like shape them because you've put yeah. so much into it. And I cannot tell you how many times you would see these families going home with just, kids are just dragging, they're depleted. They're like mm. so tired. And this one time this mom was like, okay, they were getting ready to get on the plane. And she's, the kid was having a meltdown and she's saying, well, wasn't it so fun? Wasn't that just the funnest trip? What was your funnest part? Tell us, what was your favorite part of the whole trip? And the kid's like, being outside the pool. Oh, but what else? Like, what else? Did you love the goofy ride? No, I love feeding the ducks. And it was just like, she was just so desperately begging for validation that this was all worth it. And the the kid could care less about any of the things in the park. It was it was just being outside yeah.
0: and probably being together. it is really eye-opening. It's it's got it's sold to us because yeah. it's so expensive and it's so much work. And our on our podcast, we always end with a favorite outdoor childhood memory. And so all these, you know, adults and they all say the simplest things. Every single one. It's so simple. I love the tree that was across the street, and I would climb up in it and read my book. I loved getting cold water from my from the well at the farm mm. that my uncle owned this the favorite top yeah. the top childhood memories and they're simple things and and we live in a pretty commercialized world so it's it's easy to forget that but it is powerful we had a friend that did rving you know people like do the rv for a year or two yes. years or oh i almost country, convinced so. my husband to do that with, with yeah. me ah, and two cool. of my kids so Yeah. So I had a a friend that did it and they went for two years. And I remember asking her, were there any things that you regretted that you did or something along the line? Here's what she said. She said, the only things were the things that were expensive because then you're trying to make sure that you get that value out of them. You go Mm -hmm. to the place and you got to pay however many hundred dollars to go to the zoo. I mean, you know, with seven kids, right? You got to shell out this much money for this thing or that thing. But a lot of these nature things are free or relatively free, close, you know, cheaper. Entrance into
1: national parks and even our state parks, sometimes I'm like, wow, that adds up, especially we will sometimes have two or three cars because my growing family. Yeah, because you have a larger family. Sure. But compared to Disney, and I'm not, this is no, like, I'm not ragging on Disney. I love Disney. I worked at Disney in high school. I was in entertainment. I sang in the parades and danced and, you know, Disney is special and everyone should go once. But. To your point, it's that's not the thing that is going to create those core memories that's going to strengthen your family. If anything, you're lucky if you survive a Disney trip and you all still like each other
0: because it can be really stressful. Yeah. was well, interesting because I was looking at, in preparation for this, I was looking back through our chat books and I'm, and I'm like, and I, in fact, I'm Love like, they're it. here. I think the funnest thing was Love like picking it. the cover. You know, and this is what this is catching fish. This is catching a fish. This is our youngest daughter's like loves to play guitar. She's real little. I mean, this is her, you know, and you're picking these kind of standout moments, but they're little, they're little moments. The covers are all just little things like here's one look at he this is my little guy. He's got a frog on his head. This is the standout moment. It's these small things. And so You know, I've always loved that from a little season of life, you're picking out the top moment. And if, if you were to flip through mine, I mean, these are the, these are simple, the strawberry patch, you know, she's got strawberries, just all juice all over. That's
1: the magic. That is the magic of family life. All right. I've got more questions for you about this outside thing. Cause Mm -hmm. as you were talking about some of the benefits that come from outside play, unstructured play outside, I'm thinking of also the risks that sometimes come. I'm thinking about all the outside time that I spent as a child where my mom had no idea where I was, no way of contacting me. She knew we'd come home when we got hungry enough. But some of the things I did were downright dangerous. Like, I grew up in Florida. There was this little river that we loved to go play in. I remember swimming with water moccasins. Like, seriously, I'm just lucky that I never got bit. But what do you say to parents who are now so programmed to be protective, right? And we have ways of tracking mm. our kids and monitoring, and we're so used to knowing at all times where they are and assessing risk. How do you kind of let go of that? And as your kids are, for example, learning to climb a tree, I have a scar under my eyebrow from right. falling out of a tree
0: as a little kid. I'm lucky I didn't poke my eyeball out. How do you handle those, the yeah. risks there? A risk is tricky. I think I think it helps if you start when your kids are young, because then you're, they're growing their risk muscles and you are too. There is this, I think, set of muscles that you grow as you're kind of letting go and learning to trust them. Mm-hmm. I listened to mm-hmm. this gosh, I can't think of his name. It, it's on the there's those master classes and it, it was a photographer. He was an adventure photographer, and he has this master class, and so there's not that many of them. People will be able to find it pretty easily. But he talks about how risk assessment involves two things. So he, this is a guy that's skiing down a mountain or with all these video cameras, you know, doing all these really <laughs> risky type things to get the cool shot and mountain climbing and doing all this stuff. And and he said risk assessment is a like this instantaneous calculation of two things. One is how dangerous is it? How likely is it that I how dangerous is it? You know, if if I fall catastrophically from a really high point in a tree, that's extremely dangerous. How dan- how dangerous is it? You got a little one near the water. very, it's, it's highly dangerous. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is how likely is it to happen? Right? So, you know, if you put a little one near body of water, it's very likely that there's going to be a catastrophic accident. But if you have a a two-year-old that climbs up onto a fallen log, it's highly likely that they're going to fall off, but it's not catastrophic, right? And Mm -hmm. they're going to have a bump, they're going to have a scrape, you're going to have to put a band aid on. And so, I think that childhood is is this time where kids are learning how to assess risk in those in those quick moments. And so, as a parent, when am I supposed to step in? Well, I think we're supposed to step in when it's catastrophic, right? We're supposed we're not going to let our little little one play near a big body of water because that's too risky. You know, do we how high do we let them climb into a tree? I mean, these are the things that we think about in terms of risk. And and so they're learning how to be in their body. They say that in the long term it's more risky to not let them play because then they're not learning. They're not learning what they yeah. can do and how their body can move and how they can adjust their body and that type of thing. I tell this story. We were in um, North Carolina at this really cool waterfall. It's called graveyard fields, which is a weird name, but it's a real cool waterfall and, and we're traversing the wet rocks and the kids are running through and, and they're so nimble, right? Vanessa, they're going, I'm, like, I'm trying to keep up and you, you can feel your brain working. You're trying you're because you're constantly having to adjust. And is this rock going to split slip? And and where do I put my foot? And your brain is tired by the end of those experiences. But I was, you know, kind of trying to keep up with my kids and I slipped. And I would have gone downstream a little bit and I would have gotten hurt. And, and, and my daughter who was seven at the time grabbed me she had enough wow. wherewithal in her own body to keep herself up upright and she grabbed, and then she's like, remember that vacation when I saved your life?" <laughs> you know which is, which was an over exaggeration. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so you know they're, they're learning how to be in their body and if they're outside from the time they're fairly young, it's a, it's a small progression, right where they're learning yeah. what their body can and can't do. And we're stepping in when it could be catastrophic. I think then the other piece of it is stranger danger. And and I think that there are a lot of tools, all of it. Like there's this company uh, called Cosmo Technologies and they've got a smartwatch for kids. There's different things that for that piece of it in terms of being out and about, if it's looked down upon now or we are truly feeling some anxiety about it, there are tool- technology tools that can help with that piece of it too. As I'm hearing you
1: talk about like, building that physical strength and resiliency. I can't help but think about the mental benefits too in, in an era where so many kids are struggling with the mental health. And actually someone's posted a question that they wanted me to ask you. Um, this is from Cassie. She says, how has spending a thousand hours outside
0: impacted your family's mental health specifically? Well, you know, they say that even looking at nature is calming for children. And so you don't even really need the research, but the research backs up that when you step outside, it lowers your blood pressure. It helps you to be present. And someone somebody even was just talking the other day about how when you're in state when you're in a state of awe and wonder that you can't even be anxious at the same time, Mm -hmm. it's like physically impossible to have those two things going on at the same time. And so when you're outside and there's these things that are catching your attention, the shapes of the clouds, the birds are singing, you find things, you know, our brains are wired for novelty. And so Mm. we're looking for the new. And I think that technology companies, they have, they've capitalized on that, right? With the swipe down, you're always seeing, there's always something new. There's always more news. There's always something else that you can see, but nature provides it too. Nature sure does. You yeah. go out and the seasons change and there's things that you find and you have these experiences. You find a praying mantis egg sac. You see the squirrels chasing each other. These things that ca- capture your attention in a way that stokes awe and wonder. You know, the relationship piece. There's a lot going on when you head outside that is a safeguard for mental health and there's a lot of pieces of yeah. it. Well, and
1: hearing your kind of origin story about going outside, you were with a friend. Is that a big mm-hmm. key takeaway is find find a buddy, find a partner? Because I'm thinking about, yes. I'm thinking about like my kids, they all have different appetites and interests and I'm bound to have a naysayer. Like, So going with friends might help, you know, bring, you know, get everyone on board. What are some other things to take into consideration? Things to pack, like you've got the most experience here. <laughs> what are your like go tos if you're planning an outing? All right, bring some friends because that helps. Yeah, and you can build those relationships.
0: And yeah, other tips. Yeah, you don't need much. So I always say the three Fs: food, friends, and a first aid kit. Oh, okay. you need food. You need food yes. because if you run out of More food, then you, you got to go home. Probably there's something about being outside that makes kids hungry. <laughs> And, and water, you know, so we we tend to, if we're driving to a place and we know we're going to be gone for the day, I'll I'll bring up like a one gallon, like a big thermos thing. So food and I, same thing. I would bring, like you said, extra. So I'd pack what we needed and maybe an extra box of crackers or granola bars, something extra, because if you run out, you got to go. So food, friends, I think friends is the top. It's safer. Yeah. It's safer. You have another set of eyes, another set of hands mm. and, and the kids you, I, one of the questions um, we had said we were going to talk about was if you have reluctant kids and I think a lot of kids are reluctant to go outside because it's a transition. It's, you have to rely on your own brain power. Entertainment has become so easy, right? All you have to do is flip flip a switch, press a button. There's entertainment. And so outdoor entertainment is harder and it takes creativity and it takes reaching into yourself. And so there, There is sometimes pushback. Kids don't want to do that. And they don't, they wouldn't choose that naturally. But for our family, if there's friends going, they're always in. So friends is huge. Yeah. And you don't need, I mean, if you had one other family that you could meet, I mean, that's all you need. If you have a group of two or three or four, you know, and then people, if someone's sick or that's it. And you make your own little club, you find a couple like minded people and, and that really helps. And then a first aid kit helps too. you know, just your typical one that's got Band-Aids and something for stings, yeah. you know, if you get a sting. And but other than that, you know, there's little things like if you have young kids and we would bring a change of clothes. That's something that I always packed because, you know, if a two year old falls and they get really muddy or really wet and they're uncomfortable, they're going to want to go home. So is it the things yeah. that would help us to extend our time at different ages? Now, if my 11-year-old falls and gets wet now, I'm like, tough. <laughs> you know, Steven a uh, he wrote a book called Outdoor Kids in an Indoor World. He's got a Netflix show. He says, wear it dry. That's his philosophy, wear it dry. So we've we've kind of adopted that now that our like kids it. are older. But toddlers, you can't reason with them, right? So yeah. we would bring extra clothes and so that we could change them and, and bring a towel. I would bring that, a baby carrier, a stroller. A stroller held all the stuff for the most part. So mm-hmm. basically carry the baby and then the stroller had all of the things, all the food, all the extra clothes, the towels and water. And besides that, a picnic blanket, we would bring a lot because you want to spread something out so you're sitting down if the grass is wet or something like that but other than that we there's not yeah. much you need
1: okay i i've got one other question for you and i'm hoping you can like help me through a little problem that i'm having right now and it's it's about organized children's sports i've heard several of your guests talk about sports versus unstructured outside play and my youngest is 14 right now and he goes to school full-time public school comes home at 2:30 and we live in Utah. There's so many beautiful, amazing outdoor things to do. All he wants to do is play Minecraft. Like he says he doesn't, but that's literally all he does is like ask for me to log him in. He wants to do that. And if he goes on a bike ride, it's like five minutes and he's back. Okay, can I play Minecraft? So I really want him to play baseball. And he tried out for the baseball team and he made it. But practices are five days a week after school for two hours. And he says he doesn't want to play because he wants to do other things with his life. But I kind of feel like, especially as a working mom, like I'm still working those hours. I would love for him to be doing something structured that I'm not in charge of that's potentially getting him exercise and outside. But after I was reading, I read part of your book that was talking about you know, the power of unstructured time where they have to be bored and they have to figure it out. And I'm wrestling with wanting to embrace that, but also the practicality of what my bored child is going to probably end up doing. He's going to end up in a friend's basement playing video
0: games. So what would right. you do, Ginny? If you were me on this, would you force? I would stick with the sports. Absolutely, I would stick with the sports. You know, there's 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 actually three categories. There's unstructured, there's structured, and then there's also semi-structured, which people talk about too. So You know, unstructured play is good. So maybe on the weekends, there's some of that, or maybe in the summer, there's a little bit of that. But structured play is also good too. And the benefits of being outside go far beyond the unstructured piece of it, which is that sunlight, which is a really, really big deal. That full spectrum of light exposing our body to that full spectrum. Our indoor lights have peaks of color. And that's a really interesting piece that I don't know a ton about, but it's starting to come out a whole lot that for our sleep and for so for our bodily functions, they respond to light and that full spectrum of light. And it's different than fluorescent lights. And so if I had the choice between no, no outside time or structured outside, I would absolutely pick structured outside, outside time. And there's the team building. And there was a woman on our podcast a, a bit ago named Priscilla Tallman and she works with coaches and she's a huge sport. She does volleyball, real cool. And she has these journals and and she talks about just making sure that the sports environment is a healthy one. But that was her mm-hmm. that was her life growing up, was that her mom was working and so sports were the answer for after school activities and it really helped shape who she was and she enjoyed it and she had friendships and and so There's benefits to all the different types of ways that we get outside, and sports definitely has its benefits.
1: Well, I'm going to take that as a stamp of approval. Thank you, Ginny, for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's great. I love how everything you do is all about strengthening families and relationships with your friends out time, with your outside time, with your kids spending time outside. I even heard an episode that you did with your husband about date nights outside You know, date nights don't have to be like dinner and a movie and away from the kids. Actually, go outside, bring your kids. They'll run off and do the things that they do. And you can have wonderful connecting time outside. Strengthening Families is at at the core of everything we do here at Chatbooks. And I love that you showed me some of your chatbooks that are uh, Mm -hmm. holding on to some of the memories of your time outside. I want to hear more about photos and how you handle photos? Because I'm assuming you take a lot of photos or videos when you're outside adventuring with your family. Yeah. Do you have any routines or habits or systems that help you manage all of
0: that? I do take a lot of photos. I I feel like photos are a gift. And in fact, I think actually that when I started 1000 Hours Outside, I had a lot of photos. Now, they're not good photos. I would try to take all these photography classes, Vanessa. I just I think some people have the eye for it and some people do Mm -hmm. not. And I think you can get better at anything. I totally believe in growth mindset, but I just don't really have that creative eye for it. But I took a lot of photos because the days are hard, especially in those early years and kids are crying and they're fussing and my blood pressure is up. Even some of the times when we're outside, right? But then I would come home at night and when I put everyone to bed, I would go back through that day and I would look at the photos and it felt like someone giving me this huge gift. Yeah. Oh, look at the memories that you made, look at the connections that you had. And even still, uh, photos are so powerful to look back over the years. I think they're powerful to keep us motivated even to continue to make the memories. And so I do, I like the chat book system. I mean, we haven't done much else besides the chat books <laughs> because they make it easy to grab from your, from your social media and use hashtags or to pick your favorite, you know, you pick your favorites. It's that the hardest part for me is, is picking the favorites because you know, you have so many special moments and, and different memories. And in fact, Jim Gaffigan has this quote where he says, He says, I have more pictures of my kids than my parents even looked at me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know. It's really true. And I'm all for taking all of the photos. I don't think you have to print every single one of them, but enough to just represent the magic of everyday family life because Mm -hmm. we have hard days and sometimes you just need to look back at it and be like, you know what? we're doing great. Yeah. Like, we have an amazing family. And I'm a good mom. We actually did a research project with HP. We we surveyed 1,200 families about their photo habits and printing habits. And interesting, 90-something percent of the parents said that they feel like better parents when they print photos because they talk about them and they reminisce wow. on the good times. And it's normal for family life to have hard times too. And I'm all for taking pictures even in the yeah. hard stuff, because they're important mm-hmm. lessons to learn through the hard things that we go through. But there's strength in holding on to our stories and finding, mm-hmm. looking for the magic every day. If you have that mindset of looking for for those little moments, mm-hmm. those little magical moments, you're gonna see them more often. So speaking of magical moments, I snapped a photo the other day. I had planned this outing for our family, a boat, the the boat trip of the summer. And I didn't even think Mm -hmm. to look at the forecast because here in Utah, it usually is sunny all the time. Guess what? Rain. It rained. So much rain. (laughs) And it was cold even. The wind was blowing But my kids, they were such good sports. They got out there in the tube. They were being crazy. And they're all older. My oldest is 27. He was out there acting like a child on this tube. And it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And I snapped a photo. And they would probably die if I posted it on social media. But that was a magical moment that I got to capture in the moment and that I will treasure forever. Is there an everyday family moment that you have captured recently that was just magic?
0: Oh, goodness. Yeah, we have so many. Well, I was thinking about that Green Lake one. That was, that was, but you know, it is interesting how the the, the every day is magical. And when you, when you can capture it, we've had a slew of traveling based around my work. So conferences and things, and, and we have our first trip of the year next week. That's not based around work. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's up in the upper peninsula. Of Michigan, which is absolutely gorgeous. It's kind of unpopulated up there. It's so beautiful. And so we went last year, actually for the first time. And one of our most magical moments was that we found what's called a uper light. Mm. And I, so the upper peninsula. So we got Michigan is the lower peninsula. Then you have the upper peninsula. You have to cra- cross the Mackinac Bridge to get up there. And and people who live on the upper peninsula, the UP, uh, upper peninsula. They call themselves Upers, and okay. they spell it Y O O P E R. Upers, and so there's a whole thing. Okay, it's, I've a never whole heard of it. <laughs> subculture. This you, Youpers live up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and maybe in 2017, not that long ago, within the last five or so years, someone was out on the shores of Lake Superior, which is up here at night with a black light, and and found that there are these rocks, and you can only find them, at least at this point, on the shore of Lake Superior. These rocks that glow, they look like a normal rock. They're gray. They look like a totally normal rock. But when you shine a black light on them, they turn bright purple and orange. Wow. Like fluorescent. It's the coolest thing. So they're called. So the guy who found them, he he named them youper lights. That's the name of the rock. Okay. And so we had learned about them years ago. And we are finally up in the upper peninsula. It's hard to find lodging for a large family, which is why we hadn't gone up until that point. Um, but uh we had some friends that opened up this little set of cottages uh, called the UP Sunrise Cottages. And so we went up there and we took this trek over to find these Jupiter lights and it's cold and it's dark. And, and sure enough, we had to wait till the sun went down and just thousands and thousands of rocks going back and forth with this flashlight. So and sure cool. enough, someone found one. And so we've got this picture holding this rock You know, it's dark and it's bright, bright, fluorescent purple and fluorescent orange and, and this is a really standout moment in our in our little family story of finding that and, and having that experience. And so that I would say that's a pretty, a pretty magical that. one. But even the day to day to day. There's always a little Yeah. I mean, every book that I showed you here, these are all this day to day. Someone told me, and I and I'm not sure if you've read this anywhere, and I it's so hard to say things on the internet any anymore if you don't have the proper research. Mm-hmm. But someone had told me that kids who live in homes where pictures are printed and have a higher self-esteem. Yeah. Oh yeah. There is science
1: backing that up. In fact, we found that same finding when we did our big research study too. Yeah. Mm, higher self-esteem, higher problem solving skills. Yeah. Lower instances of anxiety. It's it's amazing. Yeah. There's so many, so many benefits too printing, printing mm-hmm. photos. And it's also the stories that you tell around it too. A lot of it has yeah. to do with that elaborative reminiscing and the storytelling. i um, speaking of stories. Yeah. Is there a story about you, something that would surprise our audience that
0: there's might be a photo to go with? Well, okay. Okay. So I was asking my kids <laughs> before this because and my husband, cause I was like, I can't really think of anything, but I have four books out I'm trying to think I have have a book coming out in December. So I have three books out and one coming out in December and two more coming out after that. And I do not like writing one iota. I can't, I'm not (laughs) good at it. It's so hard for me. The words don't come. It's like, it's one of the things some people love to write. It's a favorite pastime of theirs, helps calm them down. And I just cannot stand it. And so- that's what my daughter said. She said, something that's interesting about you that people don't know, especially when you have books that you just cannot yeah. stand writing. So, and I've got, you know, here I've got these pictures holding all these books, you know, you get them ordered and you got this whole set of books and you do a book launch and, and so the labor of love. <laughs> yeah. And it's a testament to that. You can do things that you didn't yeah. ever think that you can do. And, and so I see those and they're encouraging for me to try the next thing that maybe I don't feel super qualified for, or that's not easy to do. And yeah. so that would be. And just because
1: you don't love it doesn't mean want. you're not good at it. I quite enjoyed your book. So I am well, I'm looking you. forward to thank the you. next one here at the mom force. We're all about women, helping women. I think about my mom force and it's my go-to are my sisters. I have uh, four sisters and we have a very Aww. active Marco Polo thread. We're constantly asking each other for help or encouragement. What does your mom force look like?
0: Wow. Okay. Well, Vanessa, I have no sisters, but I have two beautiful sister-in-laws, but no sisters. And so um, my mom force is that little adventure group. You know, the ones that we take our children to do things together and have this depth is such a depth of relationship centered around experience. And I think that as the kids grow, that I'll even have relationship with the kids as they, you know, they're starting to hit those early teen years and you you, the relationships change. And I think my mom always says have friends of all ages, Mm -hmm. you know, just have a wide span of. And so I think these teens growing up It's so neat to have known some of them since they were babies, since they were toddlers. And so definitely that our core group of friends has centered around the people that we're building relationships with and having experiences. Well, obviously the people that we're building relationships with, that was kind of silly, but the ones that we're having experiences with, and it's not easy. I I have a friend that she's making all these events all the time and, and she's really good at bringing people together. And I don't do that so much anymore because we kind of have a little bit of a friendship circle. Sometimes I feel bad, Mm -hmm. but she's doing that. And I used to, and I remember you, you face a lot of rejection. It's not easy to be that person, but it's so worthwhile people say they're going to come and they don't come. And then your kids are upset because they thought so-and-so was going to come and, or maybe you're, you're you're paying a, an upfront cost for a a small field trip and someone doesn't show up. Someone was supposed to bring the plates for the potluck and they're not coming. And it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to facilitate those relationships, but they're very worth it in, in the long run. So that's who my mom forces. I love that. And I think just speaking from
1: experience, like, Best laid plans, right? Sometimes it doesn't work out and you just mm-hmm. I try to give
0: everyone the benefit of the doubt, but I absolutely. And it is. It's cause it's so hard. Yeah. They've got a sick child. And I even I mean, I remember I remember I had um plans with a friend, you know, back when I first became a mom and, and our oldest, he never slept. I mean, never took a nap, is never sleeping. <laughs> and I had plans to meet this friend at a park and and of course, then that's the one time he decides to fall asleep and he's just completely out and he's in my arms and I'm stuck and I can't call her. I think I, and I showed her up, oh, Vanessa, I, like even, I felt awful, but it is really hard. Absolutely. Just giving people the benefit of the doubt. I mean, there's reasons why they're not there, but, um, you know, it can, it can feel like rejection. I think when you're inviting people and, and people can't come for whatever the reason they're always legitimate reasons, but it's still worth it, I think, to ask and to try and make the plans. And yeah, you never know relationships over time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, aside from encouraging people to go outside, what is
1: your go to tip for your mom friends? Like what do you have as like a veteran
0: besides going outside you know, that's my that's the only tip i oh, have but <laughs> Jenny,
1: we know there's more to you there's more to you than this passion for the
0: outdoors as an experienced veteran mother with five kids what are the ages of your kids by the way they are 14 12 11 9 and 6 okay you've spent some time in the trenches what is another yeah. golden nugget piece of advice you know i don't have one <laughs> Yeah, here's what I say. I feel like time outside, it solves a multitude of modern parenting problems. So it solves the problem of screens because you just run out of time for it or you have less time for it. It solves the problem, I think, of sibling rivalry because you're outside and kids tend to get along better. I think it solves the problem of Connecting as a large family, or if you have an age gap. So, if you have a family where you have two kids, but you've got a nine year old and a two year old, well, you were just saying everyone was tubing or everyone's out on the boat. Well, you've got this huge span of ages, right? Now, how are you supposed to relate when you're 13 years apart from your sibling? Well, you can relate in the outdoors. (laughs) It solves that. You know, it it solves, uh, we haven't needed a doctor's appointment for any type of illness since we've started spending this much time outside. So, it solves that problem. And so, I'm trying, I have like no other advice sometimes i'll sit on these panels with moms you know different conferences and they'll and that's I mean, <laughs> like what should we do and i'm like well, you could go, go outside. outside. <laughs> you could you could step out the door. But I think because it's it's an answer to so many problems and it's it's not easy, but it's a simple it's not easy to implement, but it's a simple answer. Seriously, go mm-hmm. listen to
1: her podcast. There are so many amazing benefits to being outside. And you also love the guests when they answer the question, the favorite outdoor memory. I'm going to flip it on you now, Jenny, as we wrap up. What is your yes. favorite
0: outdoor memory? Okay. I think I had only one other person ever asked me Uh, when we were kids, our church did a father daughter canoe trip. I I don't think they did it every year, but they did it for a couple years in a row. And, and they did it in October. I don't know why they did it in October. We live in Michigan. It's (laughs) cold by October, and we would go north. The rivers that you would, there's a lot of rivers in Michigan that you can tube or canoe. And so there's all these pictures. It would be all the dads and all the daughters, like some of my best friends from childhood. I think it was quick. I mean, I would imagine it was less than 48 hours, but we would go. We'd be wearing winter coats. We'd step in this canoe, you know, with our with our dad and and we'd have snacks. You put them in a ziploc bag so they don't get wet. And you canoe for the day and they pick you up and and then you probably did dinner and I bet we went home. You know, I don't even think they were all that long, but I just, and I have pictures I can, in my mind, I can visualize the pictures of me and my, I've got a green coat, you know, I got my, my friends there and, and how special I love that those times were. And I love that you have a picture because a picture
1: helps solidify that memory. Mm -hmm. So guys get out there, go outside, take the pictures, Follow Jenny. Where can people find all things Jenny
0: and a thousand hours outside? Yeah, so it's all one thousand hours outside, which is actually I think hard to remember because I run it now. I'm running into people out and about, and they'll say, "Oh, I follow you on one hundred hours outside," or I just ran into someone. She said, "I love ten thousand hours." That's outside. what my husband keeps calling it: <laughs> ten thousand hours. Yes, yeah, so I'm like, okay, I don't know. So it's 1000 hours outside. It's just the number one, zero, 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 three zeros. That's what I should tell people. Right? So we have a website, 1000 hours com, And on Instagram, people use hashtag 1000 hours outside. There's over a half a million of those where people are sharing what they're doing all around the world. And on Facebook, we have a, a private Facebook group that has over 100,000 people from all around the world and a Facebook page. And, and we have an app, Everything's just called one thousand yeah. hours outside. It's yeah. like I have no creativity. Like I said, I'm a one trick pony. It's like the one thousand <laughs> hours outside podcast, the one thousand hours outside app. So uh that's all that's all. Yeah. Oh and the app <laughs> helps
1: you track your hours or you can download it a does. tweet where you can fill in little like
0: bubbles and so our website has um a it has free downloads where you can fill out bubbles and actually it's helping model. I think it's only gonna be harder for our kids to Balance screens with with real life, and so this is a tool to help them model. I love when I see kids filling it out. We're celebrating. That's what we're doing. We're celebrate. It's because it's hard. It's not easy to carve out time for real life moments and memories, and so we're celebrating that. So we have these free sheets that have been designed um, by 1000 hours outside followers and the community, and we have a contest every year where. People submit these different designs, so they're beautiful. So we're filling it in one one little space per hour, and then the app has badges, which is fun. The app has a place where you can fill your time in, and it gives out badges every 50 hours or 100 hours, is a bunch of different badges on there. So so cool. So that's fun too. And if you're a homeschool mom, there is even a thousand hours curriculum that you probably could even there do is. if you aren't a homeschool mom. Get it looks fascinating. <laughs> Uh, it is really meant to be overarching or for a nature group. I just had an email from someone who's planning on using it with their five. They've got a little adventure group and they said they're just going to take one of the one of the topics. There's mushrooms, there's clouds. It's about learning in context. So you're learning geography and history and, and English and all of these different things. There's math in there, science, obviously, through these different nature topics. And so that just came out. It's called Add the Wonder Nature Curriculum. It's very cool. Well, congratulations cool. on all of your success. Thank you so
1: much for being here and for inspiring me and my family to spend more time outside. It's been Aww. a pleasure
0: chatting with you. Yeah. Well, Vanessa, thank you. Thank you for Uh, creating a product that makes it so easy to capture our memories and they are treasured. The kids chat books are a treasured treasured thing in our home. They each have their own shelf of them they know right where they are and they, and they talk about them. I've got that picture in my chat book. So it's been such a a remarkable thing for our family. And like we said, it's helping their self-esteem and helping us to remember and helping us to be a family of storytellers. So thank you. I love it. All right. You're the best. Take care. Thank you.
1: Oh my goodness. I could have talked to Jenny for another hour. I am so fascinated by all of the amazing benefits of spending time outside. And not just for my kids, but for me too. Honestly, it is just so incentivizing to get off our screens and go outside. In fact, as soon as I'm done here, I'm going to go put on my tennis shoes, take my dog for a walk and soak in some of the day's last bit of sunshine. Who's with me? Thanks for being here as part of the mom force. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and I would love it if you could leave us a review and feel free to come follow me at Vanessa Quigley over on Instagram for more behind the scenes moments with our guests and some sneak peeks at my mom life until next time.